0: Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit W-Y-N-N-Bet.com to start winning.
1: You are listening to Dove Valley, Valley Deep Divers, Divers with Eric Trickle
0: and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on Overtime Media.
1: And I know they are for me because I'm joined by Eric today for Dev Valley Deep Divers. Thanks for having me on. And Eric, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. And I mean, it's more like you're joining me tonight. I mean, this yeah. is normal with Dev Valley Deep Divers. Anyways, but uh, I'm glad you're able to join. For those of you who aren't aware, Lance is out being a caveman, a modern caveman, basically. So he, I believe he should be back next week. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you join me, Nick. It's always It's always enjoyable when you and I get to sit here and butt heads and chat about Broncos football, draft, whatever the topic may be.
1: Yeah, last time we did just you and me it was uh the show immediately following the draft after being live for like 18, 19 hours. And uh, everyone's like, nobody wants to do that. I'm like, people will tune in. I still want to talk football. And uh you you jug around uh with me, so that was good. But it's good to be here again. Obviously, you guys can follow Eric on my Eric and myself on Twitter. Eric at Eric Trickle and myself at Kendall, MHH. And while you're there, make sure you're following us also at dvdd underscore pod as well as at mile high huddle um i haven't read that one many times in my life but uh make sure you follow us that is obviously short for the dove valley deep divers who we're here with today uh follow go to facebook.com also uh huddle at pod.com get your swag on but then go to facebook.com uh, forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod to join us on Facebook to join in the discussion. I know that a lot of people are going to have a lot of discussion with uh, the quarterback with what the heck's going on with the defense injuries galore. The draft probably coming up here pretty soon, trade line deadline. So get join us on Facebook to get those comments and uh, to join us there and talk about that. Also subscribe on YouTube to our channel, uh, like subscribe, share, hit those alerts. That way you can join us when we go live. We have a show live every day at 5. PM, I guess t- should be at 5. PM. Sometimes we're a little bit late, but uh, that's, that's Okay. And uh, yeah, we also have a big giveaway going on right now. Also, it is October's wrapping up here pretty soon, which makes me sad. Uh, We're actually getting hit with a bomb cyclone here in the Pacific Northwest. But uh, winter right around the corner, October's coming to a close. But we are flying towards our goal of a quarter million stars. Um, This is obviously where... Got some work to do there, but that's okay over on Facebook. So get the stars in and you get a chance to win a Patrick Sertan, the second Jersey, which if last yesterday's game is any indication that Patrick Sertan Jersey is going to be a good one to have for a long time. And you know, a lot of people say you want to get the classics for the jerseys. Um, Sertan's going to be one that's probably valuable for five, 10, 12 years, which is great for a cornerback. So our top star givers right now, I want to give them a shout out. Randy Jones coming in number one right now, giving himself a great chance for that Sertan jersey. Josh Hoyle, number two. We got Lawrence Rivera coming in at number three there. Scrolling on down, we got Michael Ronquillo at four. We got Mama Moody there at five. Shane Daniels coming in at six. Andrew Lampy, who's always joining us at seven. Peter Middleton over in Cambodia at eight. Travis Weber, good friend of mine, at nine. And we got Doug Reichel at 10, Andrew Baker, just button right in there. So, uh, yeah, get those stars in. You guys want to get in the top 10. Um, also, make sure it's not just our star givers. It's over on YouTube as well. Uh, your Obviously, we have our top ones here. Mark from Georgia. Uh, go dogs! I'll give you that, Mark. Uh, Michaela Parker coming in. We got Christy, Naj, Seth Harmon, Chris Hernandez, DW, Brian Greenfield, and shooting into the top 10, Aaron Lynch right now. And even though, uh, you know, he, he displaced Shane Daniels and everybody, a couple behind him, that's okay. Uh, it's more like it's because... Um, he has been so good, right? It's not because you you have performed poorly, it's like the college football rankings, right? He, he just got a big victory here and moved on up. And here's our top uh movers right now Thomas Rainier, uh, Rainier, I'll just say Rainier because Pacific Northwest, uh, Eddie Vasquez, Diamond Rattler coming in, Carla Taylor, uh, Gilbert Villasenor. i sorry, it's kind of pixelated there, Cristobal, Jesse 13, Patriot Techs, Collection Connection. He's been joining us in the mornings, Phoenix kaniki cody w uh thank you guys so much for getting those super chats in those super stickers superstars everything like that and getting a supporting mile high huddle and then also getting a chance to give yourself a uh chance win that patrick sertan jersey and keep the lights on in here for us that's that's what it's about right Uh, support us so that way we can continue to have fun up here and that you guys can have fun with us but uh Let's get into it today, Eric. What are we talking about? Did anything happen yesterday? I don't know. I blacked out. I feel like from five <laughs> o'clock Mountain Time or Pacific Time onwards, I'm just like, oh, uh, here I am. It's been 24 hours. I don't even know what happened. What's going on?
0: Listen up, Broncos country. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up Podcast and
1: ticket site tick pick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price
0: that's right guys when we were searching for tickets for the mhh meet and greet for week three at home broncos versus jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpickcom slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order of broncos tickets
2: I I mean, if we want to bring up bad memories and the nightmare show from last night, I guess uh, I guess I, there, there was I don't want to really call it a football game. But, you yeah. know, two teams, they took the field and one just stampeded all over the other. Basically, I, it was a extremely rough showing. And this was the worst defensive performance that I've seen from the Broncos in quite some time. It wasn't uh, the fact that they allowed a lot of points. It was their inability to just stop anything the Browns threw at them.
1: Yeah, I will say I, I'm i going to try to be a little bit more positive today because the Broncos country is very toxic just to balance it out a little bit. The defense came out tremendously bad, uh, especially those first two drives. I think it was 10 points, 10-0 to 0 after the first two drives almost instantly. Um, after that, they only gave up another seven points, I think, the rest of the game, right? 17-10 to 10 final. Um, so I thought the defense, a- after those first two drives, it would have been Really easy for them just to pack it up and go home. I mean, they looked bad. They couldn't have stopped the run. Uh, Your guys are getting injured out there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I thought the defense, for the most part, yeah, played with pride, at least, uh, on that back end from the first two drives on. It wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. But at least they wanted to be out there and had a little bit of pride, which is something I thought I did not see in that Raiders game last week, uh, especially from the mid-third quarter on. So um, It was unfortunate, but at least I I thought personally there was some standouts. There was some pride shown and I have I feel a little bit better coming out of this game than I did that Raiders game, which is still even a bad taste in my mouth.
2: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't an abysmal performance from start to finish, but even the Raiders game, like the defense still had their moments at times in that one. This one, it was just that it seemed to be outside of a couple players. It just seemed like no one had any self-respect on the Broncos defense. Um, Jonathan Cooper, he played extremely well. There's no doubt about that. Draymond Jones, he had a really good game. Both of them ended the night with five pressures. Von Miller was having a game and if it wasn't for Shelby Harris, the Browns would have ended up with at least another three points, um, probably seven with the first play he made with that one sack. Yep. Um, so like there were definitely good moments from it, but it was just lack of energy consistently. And it was just, again, it was how, it was how they got beat. Just they had two guys there at linebacker. They're obviously missing Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell. And it was just basically open country there in the middle of the field. And the Browns just exploited it consistently.
1: Yeah, you and I kind of went back and forth earlier this week on our smaller group chat about Justin Strenod, um and his run fitting. And I said, you know, I'm, that's obviously not his game, but like what he's going to have to do now, I am scared Bleepless, uh, because I thought his run fits had been, A, a little bit slow, and, B, I thought he'd been guessing wrong on some of his gaps. And uh, if an, a def- an offensive lineman gets his hands on him, you know, he's going for a ride, right? Um, and uh, I thought that first, especially the first quarter, um, both he and uh, Micah Kaiser, who suffered a hand injury, who might be out, he was going to be out a couple weeks now, God bless, when it rains, it pours. Um, but uh, I was not super impressed with uh, any of the options the Broncos had at off-ball linebacker. And I know I say tongue-in-cheek, you know, linebackers are the running back of the defense, but same with your defensive tackle, right, the, uh, in the run game. Um, You don't want to invest highly in a position for a guy who's purely a run stopper, but if you are completely anemic, completely inept at stopping the run, you're going to see what you saw in this last game against the Browns. A no-named running back, injury at right tackle, didn't matter. They took it to the Broncos, they've dictated, and... uh it was gross. It was gross. I I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much you can take from it.
2: And with Justin Snod, it wasn't that I thought he was doing like a great job against the run. In uh, in that conversation that we had about it, I even said that if a blocker gets his hands on him, he's done. Yeah. There were just some very bright moments, bright spots against it. There was a couple run fills against uh, Ravens in particular. I think it was that he shot through, got uh, was right through the right hole and got there and met the linebacker or the running back tackling was a was an issue with him as well go, uh, throughout it so it wasn't exactly that i thought he was great i just don't think that he was absolutely terrible but in this one he just he, he was terrible i mean it was consistently wrong and the browns they didn't really d- focus a lot on getting a blocker on him because his tackling was so poor and they were just able to break through it and then he would just look lost in coverage and it was just a mess from both of them and one thing i noticed too is that when it comes to mike purcell the last few games especially it seems like they're just kind of letting him letting him penetrate because they know they can just attack those linebackers with how bad they've been and just just attack the the void that mike purcell leaves so denver's got to figure something out there but before we get going i want to say hello to the chat we got a bunch of you guys in here joining us tonight a uh, lot of familiar faces we got chase Wellner coming in we got our powell um Kobe, it's good to see you here. I mean, we've got James Cook, uh, Flippin' Booch, Maurice, uh, Bama. It's good to see you back in your big E Bronco, Mark Linden mood. All of you guys, it's great to see you. And uh, Chase came in with that $2 donation and said, easiest game of Keenum's career. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was with just how well they ran the ball. I mean, he didn't have to do much. And uh, yeah. and when they when he did, I'll say that's when the Broncos defense managed to step up more was when he had to put the ball in his hands. Um, again, Jonathan Cooper had a good game, and uh, Patrick Sertan and a couple other guys had uh, some big moments in coverage, but it was easy. I mean, when you run the ball that well, that effectively, it takes so much pressure off the quarterback.
1: Yeah, it really does, and uh, it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. Also, the Broncos were not super threatening with the pass rush. Um, I thought they looked better than they did against the Raiders. Um, Von Miller was having a good game before he got his injury uh, and uh, Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris had flashes. Um, I kind of want to pivot here to the and also, also shout out to Lawrence uh, for the stars and I think Andrew Lampy and Andrew Baker also come in and uh, if, you know if you want to flash them when they come up but the point I want to get to is uh, Malik Reed. Um, I know that there was some talk on Broncos country and everybody you know we look for patterns that's just human nature but Malik Reed being this next you know Shaq Barrett thing going on that whole narrative uh, really kind of been exposed these last couple of weeks. And uh, all I can say for myself is that I eagerly await the return of Bradley Chubb to this defensive front, because my God, do they miss him and Andrew real quick. Hello. So who is your early projections for Denver to pick? Uh, not that I'm wishing it, but does, what does the record have to be for a top 10 pick? Um, so l- real quick, uh, Malik Reed, I think this is a good transition actually into projections for the early uh, pick for the Broncos. Uh, Malik Reed, what are your thoughts on what you saw? Cause I was really, um, unimpressed with him. And I was unimpressed last week too, but this was, this was a game where it looked like they isolated him, identified him as a weakness and went at him.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you and I, we've had a lot of back and forth, even going back to college. I remember messaging you talking about Malik Reed uh, and how I liked him a little bit. And as a late round pick ended up going undrafted, showed flashes of it, but then it just became that, He's a guy who can get pressure when coverage holds up, and that's yep. basically it. Yep. Outside of that, he doesn't do much. Last Is year, he showed. He's in... solid in coverage. Huh?
1: He's solid in coverage. Let's 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 give him a little bit. He's he's pretty good when he drops back into those zones. He's not amazing, but for an edge.
2: For an edge, okay, on that yes. curve, yeah. Um, but uh, man, you made me <laughs> lose I'm my I just, out I here. wanted
1: to give him. A, I don't want to tear down everybody. I'm trying to be a little <laughs> bit positive today. Um, but I mean.
2: He's a guy who he just thrives on coverage sacks. That's what a lot of them were last year. Yeah, And he's a, don't get me wrong, he's a valuable piece to have as a number three edge rusher. He's a guy who you don't want starting, but you're kind of okay with him starting, I guess. But I mean, it, after last night, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Broncos country, like Bradley Chubb should be the starter there. There shouldn't be any conversation. And the conversation that was going on about Malik Reed over him should be completely done and over with. And you're right, though. The Browns, they isolated him uh, against the run especially and yeah. just ran at him because he just cannot hold up.
1: Yeah, Jedrick Wills versus uh, Malik Reed advantage jedrick wills even an injured jedrick wills um so thank you very much i back to the last comment um what position the broncos looking at in the draft right now i would say edge rusher is probably the just the way the board is stacking up where the broncos are picking von miller might be traded here if not he's probably his last year here in denver either way uh bradley Chubb injury coming off with one year after this one and malik reed the same thing one year after this so um edge rusher right now early projections george carloftis adrian hutchinson uh, sign me up. Um, inject it into my veins. Uh, do whatever you want. Enema. I don't care. Uh, maybe I don't want an enema from the six foot seven, six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound edge rushers. But um, yeah, let's, uh, thank you very much for the comment, Andrew Lampy. Let's move on to Andrew Baker here. All right, real quick, um, do you think uh, besides edge rushers, is there anything else that stands out? I mean, tackle, cornerback, etc. Sorry about the um, enema comment, there, Eric. I threw you off there. We're having fun. It's Friday night, right?
2: Uh, as far as other positions, I mean, obviously you got to look at offensive tackle, Bobby Massey. He's not cutting it. Garrett Bowles. Well, he had a solid game last night and I don't think his season has been as terrible as most others, but definitely regression from last year, which I mean, last year was an outlier. So some regression was expected, but they got to figure something out because this offensive line, they just don't have much of an attitude. They got to get somebody there. So offensive tackle, it's a pretty good class. There's some options there. I doubt they'll get Evan Neal out of Alabama unless they somehow end up with the top five pick or he manages to fall. So who knows there? There's a couple other guys in this tackle class, but this is a tackle class that I think most of them will do much better inside at guard and because there's a lot of guys who right, are right on the edge that seems to be with length that uh, when we find out about there, that'll help me uh, get an idea of where I'd rather play them. But the other one is, as you said, his corner. I mean, George Payton, he loves his corners, and we're seeing that... The, this corner group, as hyped as it was to, uh, made out to be, has completely fallen flat. I mean, Patrick Sardin, he's the only one out there playing pretty good consistently. Bryce Galhan was playing extremely well before the last two weeks, and he started to struggle a little bit. Kind of wonder if the issues with the other corners are kind of falling on him a little bit, and one of the, he's one of those players that's just trying to do a little bit too much. Ronald Darby, I mean, he missed some time. like. He can still be bothered by the injury, but Kyle Fuller was a complete bust of a pickup. And he's a guy for the main topic of this. We'll get to it here in a little bit. Uh, He's one guy that Denver, they've got to be floating his name out on the trade market. So corner is definitely one. I know that you like Andrew Booth out of Clemson quite a bit. There's the Florida kid. But I mean, if Denver can get, and I know you tweeted this out, Derek Stingley from LSU and pair him with Patrick Sertan, that would be a outstanding duo for the future if they both develop.
1: I mean, literally just blitz everybody every play because you, you, you play cover zero. Who cares, right? We You could actually run the Wade Phillips defense if you had those two cornerbacks on the outside. And Andrew Baker coming in with the stars also. We really appreciate you, Andrew. Um, It's not that we're losing, but embarrassing how we're losing. Shake my head. I'm fine with the season maybe being done, but can we see some Dan fire the rest of the games? Probably not. Hashtag mile high huddle for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. And I hear you, Andrew. Um, I do think that the Broncos did come out and at least showed a little bit of pride last night. Um and so I, I like I said I'm not nearly as upset coming out of this game as I was that Raiders game where it's like that's your rival your season is on the line they are you're going against a team with no head coach what do you doing? and this was a short week obviously the the run fits got a little better they were so bad the first two drives um as the game went on and I thought they flexed a little bit uh, offense couldn't respond but um I hear you it's going to be a long season but we're going to try to look through the the negatives and the maybe the outcome of the game and look for positives and uh, good direction forward Uh, Speaking of good direction forward, Aaron Lynch, $5 over on YouTube, trying to get that Patrick Sertan jersey, talking about good direction forward. Sertan was awesome last night, mostly. Um, As embarrassing as it all was, I enjoyed talking football with you fellows during the game. So what's the next move for Denver? Cheers, boys. Uh, Eric, what do you think the next move is for Denver?
2: To hopefully get a spark from either making trades or something like that. And it's an it's problematic because their next game is the washington football team and this is one of the games that i can see denver going out and actually managed to manage to scrape a win out of yeah but that my concern is is this is a team it's clear that they're not ready and they should be loading up on capital so they should be making moves at the trade deadline of selling players but if they win that game i think that it's going to be the opposite i think it's going to George Payton and Vic Fangio, they're going to be like, all right, we just need some extra talent. We got to get, uh, improve our linebacker core with both our starters out with injury, and they'll end up being buyers. So I have a concern there. I think that they, I mean, they, they should know what they are by now. And it's clear that they're, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to push for the playoffs, become sellers, and prepare for the rebuild that this team has needed for a few years that stubborn old John Elway has just not wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you here. I do worry that this uh, Washington football team is inept enough uh, across the board that um talk about. I mean, I know the Broncos have been the most disappointed in defense and football, but Washington football team cannot be far behind. Um, they've been really unfortunate there and maybe it'll be a spark there for the Broncos to get a win. Um, whether you're cheering for the win or not at this point, I don't know. It's, I'm not going to tell you how to fan. I absolutely hate gatekeeping at fans. Um, <laughs> that's the only way to do fandom wrong is be a gatekeeper. Um, but it is interesting. What's next from here? Uh, I think the Broncos have to figure out what the heck they're going to do with the off-ball linebacker position. Um, right now you have Micah Kaiser went down. Justin Schnard looks way out of his depths. And uh, what is it? Curtis Robinson was the other linebacker out that game. I don't, don't even remember his name because he was an undrafted free agent. And I was like, okay, who that, who's that again? Oh, that's right. Who's that again? Multiple times in the game. Um, And I think I had to do that because he kept just getting washed out. I'm like, oh, he must be a safety. He's that far down the field. <laughs> no, he's getting washed out of the play. Um, So I think the Broncos either they're gonna have to drill that in and part of run fit and all that is feel and experience with the defense. And on the short week, you had a really tough ask of them to do that, but not that bad. Um, So I expect them to look better there. And if there's any move they're going to make, they need to bring in a a body at linebacker. I know people have thrown it out and I am always like, Oh, leave the past in the past. Let's move on. But like Todd Davis is right there in Denver already. I mean, I don't know what you actually have to lose bringing him in because it can't be worse than what we saw this last game.
2: That's exactly. And moving over to the the topic for tonight about being sellers and trading players. There's actually an interesting one that uh, trade that was thrown around on Twitter this morning that I saw from Cowboys people that they seem to really want to add depth to their cornerback room. And they're it's not a rumor or anything. It was just an option from a Cowboys blogger or a, a media guy. I can't remember his name of making a move for Kyle Fuller with Leighton Vander Esch being one of the pieces for it. How would you feel about that?
1: I think Leighton Vander Esch is a heck of a talent, but he has had so many injuries um, that he, he'd have to pass medicals before that. Um, Also, I'm not sure what his contract situation is. The Broncos are not in a position where they are looking. They should be looking for people who are not at least multiple years of contract control. Um, And also I'm not sure is he one that has that fifth year option coming up next season, and how does that translate in a trade?
2: Um, I don't think that he has it. I think it was the same thing, uh, same year as Bradley Chubb was he was drafted, right? So it would have so been they would've, it would have been this last it. March, and they didn't pick it up. So he's a free agent after the season.
1: So, like, that's the thing. Like, uh, are are we? I'm not in a position. I think the Broncos are not in a position to give up any extra draft capital right now. I mean, even if you're talking about filling in for a linebacker that this team desperately needs, just go to free agency. You can, you can't even afford to give up a six round pick right now for where you at. You need those pieces. You need the cost controlled guys on the back end. You need the depth. I mean, obviously with how injured this team is, you need the depth. So if it's Kyle Fuller for Leighton Vander Esch straight up, maybe I, I definitely would consider that thing Cause then at least Leighton Vander Esch has a way to play himself to a contract after the season where I don't see that with Fuller. Um, but if it's if it's like anything like Kyle Fuller, plus even a seven for Leighton Vanderich, I'm probably going to pass. I'd, ra- I'd rather have the seventh as as tough as that is.
2: Yeah. And I mean, after I saw this, I turned on a little bit of uh, Cowboys games today. And Leighton Vanderich has been rough this season. He is, so yeah. like it's been really rough. And it seems that the injuries that he's been dealing with has really uh, slowed him down and been problematic for him and what development he had. So it's, it's one of those moves where I'm I'm with you. If it, you can get him, even though he's younger with all the issues that he has, if yeah. you can get him for Kyle Fuller straight up, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not sure that's going to be the case because of the age difference between the two.
1: Yeah, and the perceived upside, right? Like that's, that's always a big one. And linebacker doesn't tend to hit the cliff that uh, unfortunately looks like Fuller has uh, fallen off right now. Um, but uh, some good news, I guess, coming in there. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, Eric, hopefully. I don't know. Um, hopefully you guys aren't hearing that too. But um, the one that uh, I'm excited for is it sounds like Jerry Judy's going to be back this next week. And my goodness, do the Broncos need them some Jerry Judy, this offense uh, Shermer, you know, sometimes I think he deserves a lot of blame, but um, his scheme needs guys who can win those one-on-ones. And right now the Broncos don't have anybody who's winning those one-on-one routes. And at least coming back with uh, Judy, definitely one of the best route runners in the game uh, as a uh, one of the best route running prospects I've ever seen. Um, that should help a lot for this offense.
2: Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I think that Denver can come out and beat this game against the the Washington football team is having Jerry Judy back is a such a key for this offense, and losing him was so problematic, and it took a lot away from this offense. And now, the offense's issues are far beyond losing him, but it's something that. I think that having him back will help settle down the offense a little bit. They'll still have their issues. They'll still be rough on the offensive line. Play calling still going to be problematic. They're still going to have issues, but it's a th- it's one of the reasons why I think that never turned around and win this game.
1: Yeah, and we got some super chats coming in now. God bless you guys. I love you. This is a lot of fun to do with Eric and you guys, and I know I did it this morning too, but um, no better way to work through the exercise the demons of what's going on in Broncos country than to talk with you guys and you guys support us like this. Based case coming on with the the new picture here, making me sad. Base uh, because now it's a Broncos meme, um, Scooby Doo with Vic Fangio being uh, Vance Joseph. I don't know, man. Both same dude. I don't know. It's, it's rough. Um, but base case five dollars. It figures in a year where we might have a top five pick. There are no solid quarterback options in the draft. Maybe we should punt on quarterback until twenty twenty three. We still have half the college season to go, right? And things can change. Um, But right now, I don't think there's any quarterback I would be comfortable using a top 10 pick on. Uh, Maybe Matt Corral, I mean, Malik Willis' last few games. I don't know if you've watched Liberty. You like to wait until the end of the season to kind of just run through the games. Malik Willis has been like day three quality tape the last three games he's played. Um, But Matt Corral, maybe in the top 10. I don't love it. And as unfair as it might be, every single prospect I go up against this year, I compare it to Justin Fields as a prospect. Not as an NFL not Bears so far. I'm We're waiting to see on that. I haven't watched very much of him actually at Chicago, but as a prospect, watch a lot of Ohio state, nobody comes close to what I watched last year with Justin Fields as that prospect. And if you're going to use a higher pick or an equivalent pick on a lesser quarterback prospect in a class that actually is better at cornerback overall this year than last year, what the hell are we even doing? I'm so pardon my language, but like, what, what are we even doing?
2: It's so frustrating.
1: Just take yeah. another venture year.
2: I don't know. God. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a believer that no matter what, you should always take a quarterback at some point, every draft. So I think that Denver this year, they should draft one. I don't think that they should use a first round pick on one, not this year. This is, this is a year where I do. I'm, I'm not sold that their depth, that the depth of the class will be able to become solid guys in the NFL, but there's enough options in this depth, depth range day two, that I would take that shot there and see what they can become and then just be more willing to upgrade next year. And so like Matt Corral, he's, he's going to be this guy. I mean, he's going to be a first round pick. I mean,
1: yeah, Two tools, I, I
2: don't, I don't think he should be. I mean, he's just got, as you said, he's got too many tools. The ability to run and use his legs is just the way the NFL is going. Malik Willis. I mean, I still think that he ends up as a first round pick Carson strong as well, which apparently he's dealing with some medical concerns um, mm. that uh, Dame Brugler uh, mentioned out on Twitter the other day. So, I it's rough for me because I really don't see where the Broncos can go at the quarterback position besides running it back with Teddy and Drew Locke and or some other Ryan Fitzpatrick some other Tyrod Taylor because honestly why would some of these veterans that the Broncos have been rumored to be wanting why would they want to come to Denver I mean I know being in a trade they don't have much of a choice but teams when you have a franchise quarterback, you don't typically want to sit there and be like, Yeah, we're not going to listen to anything you have to say when it comes to trading you.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see. Um, we got a lot of season to go, and the Broncos could get some more capital here. They have a lot of cap space as well, which could turn around things quickly. Although Peyton's free agency class from this last year is looking pretty rough out of the gate, I guess not even out of the gate, uh, over a quarter through the season, but uh, you know, you got some cash. You might be able to do some stuff. Uh, speaking of got some cash and able to do some stuff. Naj 20 bucks over on YouTube. Thank you so much, Naj. Uh, Hey brothers, seems like Fangio and Peyton won't make any changes. So I've lost all hope for the rest of the season. Come sit down next to me, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Fangio seems absolutely clueless about how bad things are. If they get the first pick, who do they take? Okay. Now this, I always love Naj because he gets his money's worth when he brings it in. Um, Fangio being clueless, everything like that. Hope for the rest of the season for sure. um, Fangio has been really making me mad in these press conferences because nothing ticks me off more from a head coach than pointing the finger at everybody but yourself. You know, maybe it's cliche to say the buck stops here, uh, but still, I I want my coach, when teams are having success, lift your guys up. When teams are struggling, put it on yourself. That's what a good coach does. You limit the distractions and you put it on yourself and say, I've got to be better. I've got to put them in a better situation. Fangio, every single week keep saying the exact opposite where he's like, Oh, well we put them in a good position and there's no way this locker room can have his back at this point. Right? Like is just, just every single comment. I feel like it's a shot towards the guys on his team and he's already, there's already questions about how much they uh, like Fangio in that locker room. This can't be helping.
2: Yeah. Fangio. And, but before I give my opinion on that, I just want to say, Nick, you absolutely missed out on meeting how awesome of a character Naj is because he was there at the meet and greet. He was super awesome, hilarious, uh, got in trouble with Chad, too. Like, it was just a great time, Naj. And I'm glad you're able to my guy. Time. and uh, as for this question, I mean, with whole Vic Banjo stuff, I mean, the I watched the press conference today and he said something that just made me laugh. And he was talking about he was asked about Von Miller and uh, all of Von Miller's basically trash talk, trash talk this previous this, during this week before this game and he made a comment about how i don't like to do the talking i like to let my play on the field do the talking this is coming from a head coach who sat there and whined and cried because they and talk about player safety and all these other things that he's done after the ravens game like <laughs> to call a spade a spade i mean he's just being such a hypocrite with how he is he sits there and he talks about at one point he'll make a comment in these presses, where he talks about how the coaches and myself have to do better. And then he turns around and saying, Well, we're doing the best we can with them. It's just their fundamentals, their fundamentals, their fundamentals. Like we can only do so much with their fundamentals. Like, stop.
1: If their fundamentals the- aren't good after your third year coaching the Broncos. That's on you, coach. Sorry. Yeah. Like
2: it, this, this complete issue of it. And, I mean, I put the tweet out there last night in a joking manner, but it, on all honesty, it was like me taking, saying that the Broncos are owned for since I saw them live for the first time is taking more accountability than any of these coaches have. Like,
1: <sighs> it's frustrating because I do. And I maybe I'm in the uh, minority here. Uh, Rudy Dominguez coming in with 200 stars here over on Facebook. So much. Thank you so much, Rudy. Um, hope you have a great Friday. Hope you're thank you for spending it with uh, spending some time with us here. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm just still frustrated about it with Vic Fangio. And the thing that frustrates me too is I think the scheme can work. I know it's not working right now for the Broncos, but we've seen it across the league, enough of a sample size for other teams, uh, other players, et cetera, et cetera, that it can work. But it's a zone team that takes buy-in. And also somewhat, it takes your offense to be, the offense cannot be completely inept. And right now the Broncos, the last four weeks, has been pretty damn close to completely inept. Um, So it's frustrating uh, it seems like the writing's on the wall, which is unfortunate because how the head coach cycle does not line up with the Broncos being sold cycle. Um, but going to have to figure it out. and am going to have to make the best of it.
2: Now, my question to you is how much of the scheme that we're seeing this year with the Broncos is really Vic Fangio's scheme? Because there are some similarities to last year, but there are a lot of differences that we didn't see, a lot of changes. And watching it, especially on the defensive line. I mean, this is a team that did a lot of one and a half gapping last year, and now it's we're seeing Shelby Harris two gap a lot, which he did his Vic Fangio's first year at nose tackle and failed that, then got moved back to the edge where he was one gapping and did well. We see Mike Purcell one gapping when he's a great two gapper, and then the coverage stuff—it's a lot more man this year than it was. Like, I don't know. I I like Vic Fangio as a defensive head coach. I like his scheme, but I'm just not sure this what we're seeing is really mostly his scheme.
1: Yeah. And I'll, we'll get into that more in just a second. We want to get through some of these supers. Cause you guys are making it lit on Friday night, Aaron Lynch up here in the Pacific Northwest with me. we got to hang out sometime. Uh, at least it sounds like the bomb cyclone is going to miss us here in Seattle, Nick. Thank goodness for that. It does sound like it's going to rain like crazy on Sunday. So uh, get to watch football without having to be stressed about it. It's going to be great. Um, that has to count for something. I'll take it, Aaron. And thank you so much for uh, the $5 over on YouTube. That means a heck of a lot. Uh, we got Naj double dipping here. Coming back in with another 20. God, so nice. Naj says, thanks for the kind words, bro. And I, I will say in our little small group chat, we have Eric immediately after meeting you was like, you got Naj was the dude, man. He was so <laughs> awesome. Like, that's, that's, that's honest to God. Um, so that's pretty awesome that you guys got to make that connection. And thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, he said, I had an awesome time meeting you, my man. And the other brothers, thankfully, it was probably the last win of the year also. Broncos <laughs> will win their win at least... Uh, What do you think Broncos over under the rest of the season? Two and a half.
2: I have that. That's tough because I think that they could win. I think they could win three, but one of them I'm iffy about. So I could see two like in the three games, the Lions, Washington football team and the Eagles. The Eagles are the one that it can go either way for me.
1: You don't think they'll luck their way into one AFC West game because of how fluky no. the divisional games can be? Okay, go. well, you heard it here, guys. <laughs> Broncos going 0-6 in the division from Eric Trickle. You guys can add him if he's wrong. Um, Shane coming in now over on Facebook. Shane, I know why I, I got confused earlier this week. It's because you have a different picture on Facebook than YouTube. So uh, that's what's going on. His lovely wife here. Uh, watching the press conference today, just reaffirmed to reaffirm my belief, Fangio needs to go. I believe in the players, but not the coaches. Um, I don't think there's nuance to all of this, but I think the most important thing is the subject a in your comment here does not believe in subject B players don't believe in the coaches anymore. It's pretty obvious to see that. And uh, because of that, the whole thing is falling apart and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what firing Fangio mid season does, but did um, you know how many teams actually galvanize after that, especially the injuries the Broncos have right now and how much uh, that makes things unsettled uh, and how tough the AFC West is too. I I just, I don't see it happening maybe mid season unless it's completely revolting in there in the locker room. But um, I think the writing's on the wall. Vic Fangio has gone at the end of the season. Bold, bold statement. Yeah. Nick. I know bold statement.
2: I think he's gone. I don't think that they make changes during the season. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't sound like they'll make any changes to play callers, even though I think that's the changes that they should be making Simply because when you make changes in the season, you typically have somebody on your staff that you want to get a look at in that position position on the interim to see if they'll they can take it full time. And there's no one on the staff for any of the positions, no one for special teams coordinator, no one for head coach, no one for offensive coordinator. There's just no one for that. So I I just don't think they make changes during the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we got one from Eric coming in here, uh, $10 over on YouTube as well. Did Skangarillo and Munchak style mix or was it truly Vic Fangio not liking him? I know it's spilled milk, but Fangio said zone scheme gives him fits. Last night showed it. Um, Munchak historically, my understanding is more gap scheme, more power centric, um, where Skangarillo is the zone stuff. So um, I think that Skangarillo and Vic Fangio maybe had some differences in offensive philosophy um, that uh went back and forth maybe they didn't mesh the most and if Vic Fangio was going to go down he wanted to go down with his guy Pat Schirmer and hats off to you Vic I think that's what's going on right now you're going down with your guy Pat Shermer. but uh, what do you think you're uh, Eric's question um there
2: there's gotta be careful with how I word things with this one um there were issues between Scangarello and Munchak because their styles do not mix
1: yeah they're there and
2: at multiple times during the season there was talks that they're going to change it up and then they planned for a changeup during the season or during the game week. And then during the game, Skangarello went back to what he knows best, which really mm-hmm. strained the offensive line. And we saw that on the field. Vic Fangio didn't want a rookie offensive play caller with him being a rookie head coach. He wanted somebody with experience. And yeah. that didn't happen. That caused some issues there. There was just a lot of issues with Skangarello behind the scenes that showed that he just wasn't ready to be a play caller and not because his play calling was, you know, really was bad or anything. It was just multiple issues with more than Munchak and Vic Fangio with other coaches, with players that just ultimately led to Vic Fangio going to Elway and saying, he's got to go. I want to get in my guy and that happening.
1: Yep. Uh, It's rough. I don't think, I, I think it's because, you know, it's the devil's, you know, kind of thing, but like Broncos fans, it's okay to move on. You know, we don't have to go back. Like we don't nobody's I thank God, nobody's claiming that we should bring back Keenum. I think I saw Brandon Purna tweet that in jest. But uh, you know, let's maybe none of them were the option, and maybe we should just move forward. Uh moving forward now, Donnie Matthews coming into the stars over on Facebook. Thank you so much, Donnie. That means a lot to us. And Shane Mapes coming in with a hundred stars and Donnie with a hundred stars too. So thank you guys very much. Getting your chance to win that Patrick Sertan jersey. And uh we have some more supers here. But real quick, uh, your thoughts on Sertan yesterday. I thought he had a pretty good game, couple missed tackles, but a and this doesn't mean anything, but he gets like plus five points for me because his swag and drip is like on point. Like if I was making a corner and um, I don't know if you ever played NCAA football back in the day, but like you could make recruits and like the ones with like the visor, the eye black the the half sleeves here, the gloves. I mean, Patrick Sertan's aesthetic is amazing. He just like when he walks off the bus, I was like, yeah, that dude's in a five-star cornerback, no doubt in my mind. Um, but he had a great game too, down the field, a couple of his tackles, maybe uh, refs could have gone some another way on a couple of them, but like great game for Sertan overall, I would say, and the arrow is definitely pointing up.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he's been playing really good football for the most part over the few weeks. Yeah. Some issues and those issues really show up with change of direction, which I'm not trying to harp on. It's just what a consistent you say you Consistent issue I saw in college that's showing up here. He's starting to show tricks and uh, techniques to help cover for it, which is great to see. And I mean, yeah, my biggest concern with him is that he's a physical corner, but we're not seeing it against the run. There's a lot of basically business decisions coming, and that is where it concerns me because I mean, I've had issues with that ever since I watched Hollywood Brown just completely shove and push Patrick Sertan way out of the play for a touchdown. Like ever since then, I've had issues with Patrick Sertan against the run.
1: Yeah. Got to be better there. Um, I'll give him a pass right now because uh, it's good vibes Friday and uh, I don't need none of that negativity. So I thought he had a great game and uh, I'm really excited <laughs> about what he's going to do going forward and uh, he's going to get better. And maybe if this scheme next year is more press man heavy, uh, that could be great because Sertan impressed with that length and the physicality and how calm he is in phase doing that, not playing yeah. that off ball stuff could totally change um, my perspective, uh, perspective on him on this team going forward. Even although I think he's already going to be good. Um, and
2: but multiple veteran corners have already tweeted out and said that his press technique is like on point, like nearly perfect, like multiple comments from current corners as well. Talking about how good of a press corner, how good his technique is there, which coming out of college, like there was no concern about his technique when working press. Like, yeah. that's why I felt that he should have been going to a defensive scheme that does that, which also leads into how this really isn't Vic Fangio's scheme that we've come to know. But hey, he's super impressive and big and George Payton got the guy that he wanted.
1: Put a pin in that real quick cuz I want to come back to that point that you made about Vic Fangio's scheme but we have to get to our supers because you guys are the stars of the show. Um base case coming back in. Thoughts on Payton so far? If he makes no moves, would that lessen your opinion of him? It's time for him to put in work. Um if he doesn't make any moves at the coaching position, I don't really care because the season's probably going either way. Anyway, and if you fire the coaches, that's just an admission that it's going nowhere. I mean, I I would love to see the data. How many times have teams actually fired their coaches and gone on to win the playoffs that season or make the playoffs even? Probably not often. Uh, Those guys are getting fired because they're not going there and not a lot of times. At that point, honestly, I'd rather just like, you know, play the young guys and continue the the wrong direction record-wise and move up the draft board. But that's just me. I I care about draft pick position, even though it hasn't really helped the Broncos very much recently. Um, But as uh, making no moves... I think he has to make some moves at the deadline. I really do. You need to create, I know this team is so injured, but I want to create some spot for that, like back end of the depth chart guys to get some reps this season to see if we got any sort of like luck in that end, Uh, get some uh reps for some guys in the back end of the roster and get some much needed draft capital. This Broncos team, they don't, they've had a lot of extra draft capital these last few seasons. Don't think they have a lot of that this season off the top of my head. I think they have two extra six because of that uh uh t- Trinity, benson trade but other than that they don't have a lot of extra capital um you have a lot of i hate to say it but dead weight uh, with veterans on this team right now that could maybe if even if it brings you back another six round pick that's another chance at a four-year contract guy who could at worst at worst should improve your special team so um i think that he has to make a move and i would think less of him if he just sat on his hands and be like oh we could still compete this team's not going nowhere
2: i i mean i wouldn't kind of feel neutral if he doesn't do anything if he goes out and becomes a buyer oh, i would be oh. ex- i'd be off the table very upset and like just m- very concerned about it but i agree he needs to be a seller here at the deadline and this will help me think that okay he is more so that he is the right guy for the job his free agent class didn't look so, hasn't looked so good no but his draft class is showing a lot of promise Caden Stearns has showed a lot of promise quinn Miners. Draft is where his bread and butter is. So getting more capital for him to work what he does with where he does best—that is the best thing for him. Especially coming from the Vikings, who absolutely love draft capital, getting those extra guys. And there's plenty of trade options on this Broncos team. There's a lot of guys on one-year deals who just aren't going to be in the future plans for it. Kyle Fuller is one of them. I'm not sure Bryce Callahan's back. I don't think that both of Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton are back. So there, op- there are options that they can float around. If they're on a short-term deal, one or two years left, there's a young guy behind them, they're not in the future plans, whatever the case may be, they should be floated out there on the trade deadline. And I know you'll get some flack for me. I know I'll get some flack for this, but I think that another one is tri- float out, Noah fan. I mean, yeah, I his mean... issues as a blocker has just been so problematic. And we, we're starting to see it where... He doesn't care so much on the field. There's not much fighting him. We saw a little bit in the second half of last night's game, but that's the first time we we saw it all season. I mean, I wouldn't, I'd be very strict on what I want for him. And if I don't get it, I'm not moving him, but I would float his name out there.
1: I would probably too, but I don't think you're going to get, uh, okay, what would you accept? I I would want a third
2: round pick for him.
1: I was going to say, I need at least a second he's too he's too athletic too talented to give up and you still have what is it two years of control three years of control left um two or three i think you're gonna make that decision on that fifth year option at the end of this year so far not trending the way you'd want um but when you see him flash out there you know the talents there and it's not like the quarterback position where the low is way more than the position where the tight end white cat, pass catchers i think the flashes matter more than like a position like quarterback uh, another one that Flashes matter less, probably tackle cornerback. Those ones where it's the killer plays that kill you. Um, but uh, Nathan coming in with the red, th- red thumbs up here. Not sure what that means, Nathan, but $2 over on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much, Nathan. We appreciate that. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We also got Peter coming in here. Uh, when will the Broncos win a game? Um, Could be this weekend on our next weekend. Well, I guess at this weekend. point it could be, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, They're close to winning this week. Uh, It's a team that is discombobulated. uh, And, you know, I think that uh, unfortunately they believe in themselves almost as much as we believe in them right now, which is not a lot. So uh, I don't know. It's the NFL. And a lot of guys are going to be competing for not only themselves. uh, Well, a lot of them are going to be competing for themselves going forward. And you might luck yourself into a win, right? Like there's just too much talent out there, too much pride, too much guys that are trying to put out good tape. So that way they can get another contract. So they're not going to completely fold. They'll win at least one more game. Uh, the question, I set the line at two and a half, given how they're playing. And like, there's also not a lot of uh, help on the way. I, I, I just want to see what this team looks like when duty back before I totally bury them, because I think the offense could look a lot different with uh, Jerry Judy in there. Cause they don't have anybody who replicates his skill. And that type of receiver is the straw that serves the drink for what Schirmer has liked to do historically.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, you mentioned Judy, but another one why I don't want to completely bury this team so far is Bradley Chubb as well. I oh think yeah. getting him back yeah. on, on the defense will be a huge piece. Now, there's still some time before that happens, but getting those two guys back they're they change a lot for what they want to do on both sides of the ball. So not ready to bury them completely, but not too far from it.
1: Yeah, I totally and a guy I'll never bury Paul. Um, love Paul. <laughs> Uh, Coming in here, Paul has always been Paul's been a supporter with us since like the podcast days uh, going way back on Twitter. He actually sent me and my wife multiple nice things. He found our registry, didn't even know that he found it and sent us some nice stuff. So shout out to Paul. Love you, Paul. You're you're a real one. You're an OG. Uh, Can we get a great a good to great head coach without ownership in place? Do we have enough cash to overplay to get the guy you want? Thanks. Thank you, Paul. Um, For me, it's not so much the question I don't have here and the concern I don't have is. The cash side, I think the Broncos want to get a guy, they will find the cash to pay him. Um, it's more so you can't make any sort of promises to that head coach that hold any sort of weight because once the head, once the new owner comes in, the dynamic changes completely. Oh, you want personnel decisions? Here comes a Jerry Jones like own owner. Ha, ah, really funny. Their new head coach, you don't get that. Oh, you think you have multiple years here with George Payton? Heck no, the new owner's going to come in. You got one year, otherwise I'm bringing in my own guys. So you can't make any sort of promises or guarantees to that coach outside of the contract itself, but like decision-making, et cetera, et cetera, that the owner uh, would not probably find their way around. So it's just the instability without the owner and any sort of actual promise power, et cetera, that you can get while you don't have an owner in place.
2: Yeah. The timing for this, for the new ownership seems to be sometime after the draft after free agency at the very least. Yeah. And it's just, well after the coaching thing and as you said there's just no promises you can make even george payton has to has to feel like new owner comes in like there's pressure on him to sit there and be able to keep his job longer and it's just a trickle down effect there and part of this too is with coaches looking specifically at trying to pull them in i don't think it's a cash issue i think it's going to be an issue of how interested are they in going into a division that has patrick mahomes justin herbert And Derek Carr really starting to ball out. Hey, hey, look at you.
1: Always giving Lance and I a hard time about Derek Carr. Top 10 quarterback, Derek Carr. uh,
2: Finally, he's finally hit that point.
1: (laughs) He's been amazing this year, man. It really sucks. It really sucks. Uh, (laughs) Stupid eyeliner-looking Sid Dude from Toy Story playing good quarterback, making it bad for the Broncos. Makes me upset, but he's a good quarterback, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Peter Milton coming in here, linebacker question. The Broncos linebackers are now starting Browning and Stranod, not Browning. Browning had another injury setback, I think, or he's definitely not. They don't think he's mentally ready, but I think he has a concussion. That was it. Um, so maybe you will see him now that Kaiser is out, but uh, I think the Broncos will make a move. Um, it gives them an opportunity to prove they can play in this league. I would take everything you see from Browning this year with a grain of salt, given how far he is behind um, from the scheme side of things. And the fact that they were kind of cross training him early and he had the injuries. So, um, it, Ternod, I think you can probably make some sweeping decisions on him. I know it's his first year, but it's his second year in the system. He had a year, uh, a year in the classroom, right there. The people, a lot of people in the media really hyped up. I don't know how much it mattered. Um, but um, you're looking to see if those guys are competent. Either way, linebacking room is going to look a lot different next year, or completely the same with AJ and Josie Jewell or One of them back, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Shane coming in. Go ahead.
2: On that note, is like I'm with you. Is and it's not just with Browning with his cross training since he entered. It goes back to college. He was yeah. just used in so many different ways that it hurt his development at one specific spot. It was one concern I had with him coming into the NFL. The Broncos, they originally wanted him to come in and learn these multiple multiple positions. Then he suffered a hairline fracture in his leg that set him back, kept him from out there getting to see, see the field. So with him, I take it with a grain of salt. With how athletic he is, I want him to see the field this year to see how much growth he can show over the time and then get him out on the field next year as well. And with a little bit of a shorter lease next year because at that point, he should be starting to get things down. But Justice or not, like... It's at a point where over these final few games, if he doesn't start to show improvements, then it's you—you you can basically yank him.
1: Yeah, no, I mean and the thing about Strnad too is like I don't know where this false narrative came that he was this dynamic athlete. Like he tested worse at the NFL Combine than Josie Jewell did, and everybody likes to say that Josie Jewell is this unathletic small white linebacker. He's not the most athletic, but like I don't know what you were thinking. You're getting with Strnad. Uh, Strnad is very fluid in space. I'll give him that, and he feels comfortable going back, uh, backwards, which you can't say that for every linebacker. But this dynamic athlete, not the case. And because of that, also, the point I wanted to get to was uh, how much value does he actually bring to the special teams? Because he's not flying around as a gunner or on any of the coverage units. So, um, granted, fifth round pick, you know, if you miss on him, wadi da, um, God, who is the linebacker the Broncos took? Um, a few years ago from LSU um he was like a f- fourth or fifth round pick and he never even like played oh, like
2: um
1: like Barrow or something it was during the f- mean Barrow Barrow yeah, yeah who cares i mean you, you missed a fifth round pick that's a lottery <laughs> ticket um but uh you know if Srna doesn't live up to the hype it's not because he was a bust i saw somebody commenting, in here. a bust fifth round pick man i i don't know like that's a you're hoping on that one don't be, don't uh, don't depend your like not going to bed hungry based on a fifth round pick. Right. Like that's that's it's a
2: lottery ticket at best. It's a scratcher. I have the philosophy that day three picks can't be busts just because they're such a long shot.
1: I think maybe the first few picks of the fourth round. Like I think the first like 120. Yeah, right. Right. Like the, the, there's there's some yeah. extent to that. But um for sure. Shane Daniels coming in here over on Facebook. Uh Albert quibnam when he was healthy, was a much better run blocker and appears to be just as athletic as Fant. Um you know, I was definitely an ardent fan supporter and defender, but, and I don't think it's as much the, I talked about it with Scott this morning. I don't think it's as much the athleticism. It is, he plays a little bit soft. I mean, and uh, I want him to be more and less of like a soccer player, less like a soccer player because he doesn't need to be so soft. You know, you're playing American football, get out there and punch somebody in the mouth, right? Like you're from Nebraska, you went to Iowa, play some physical football. You should be used to that in the big 10 West. Um, the other one is I want him to be more like a soccer player because He plays with absolutely no pace. Everything, it's like an old school video game. I said this morning, sorry for the repeat, but like in today's games, right, you have like the toggle where you can kind of control how fast a guy goes. Um, (laughs) Fant is just forward and back. He's either going forward or he stopped. There is absolutely no pace or control to his game, and that's true for route running. That's true after the catch. I mean, if he could just slow play a cornerback or some point and then throttle it up just a little bit, he might be able to create a little bit of separation where the the goddamn 190-pound cornerback isn't tackling him at his ankles for one yard short, right? He just has no pace to his play, and it drives me insane.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was a play last night, and it was the first one where he actually seemed to fight for extra yards, and all he did, basically, was he lowered his shoulder and fell forward. Like, that was it. And that was the most fight he showed. Like, it's just... I mean, calling him soft, like I've kind of tiptoed around the topic um, after getting uh, reamed for referring to Lloyd Cushenberry as soft last year, which he was. But uh, I mean, just double down, why don't you? (laughs) Noah offense, has played soft. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's been there's been multiple times where he's been in the second level and he just kind of gives this weak little shove to the guy as he cuts in front of him. Like, that's not going to cut it and to me what's so problematic with it is that last year in his rookie year weren't this bad as run blockers and last year he actually showed growth in that yeah. aspect yeah only to be worse than he was even in college like just what's happened to it is there no desire to be a run blocker like what is it
1: i don't want to microanalyze too much for this because obviously in at the end, you don't want to make too many excuses for these guys, whatnot, but I know that he did have a leg injury prior to that Seattle game. How much is that impacting him? Is he playing through injury? And also he suddenly and tragically lost his mom almost right before the season started as well. Um, And I know that we are on here, you know, calling fans off, cushionberry Berry soft. These are human beings. Um, It is our job also to critique them and, you know, not pull punches, but they are still are, you know, dealing with stuff like that. So I'm not quite ready to quit on Noah Fant as a talent because he is talented, but uh, the end result is, you know, he's in a results business and he has to play better.
2: Yeah. And I think that a lot of people forget that is like, none of this has to do with how they are as a person. It's just strictly from a football aspect. We don't know them. Like we don't know how they are. So we don't know what they're going through. And I think Dak Prescott's actually a good example here because of everything that he's dealt with mentally. Like it's just, I get paid to break down the football side of things and that's it. Um, but with him is like, if he could put it all together and play to his athleticism, he could be one of the best tight ends in the NFL, but we're just not seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one thing too, I noticed, I don't know if it, this is the case with you. Whenever he runs, he looks so slow. It's, he looks slower, speed. He He looks so much slower than, Alber Oak Webinam, even like it's just it's just so ridiculous to see for me.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully fans can uh, turn it around because he is a talented athlete out there, and when he's rolling, I mean we've seen it. So uh hopefully it'll get better for him. Um, I do want to uh, keep going here. I thought that the Broncos uh sticking on the offensive side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater, not the long-term answer. We know that we said that coming into the year. That's I think that's the reason a lot of us were besides ourselves uh when the broncos passed on Justin Fields at 9 overall because we didn't have much faith as in Drew Locke being a long-term answer and we thought that at best case Teddy Bridgewater could be a short-term solution this year um and we were worried about the 2022 class putting us right back in this situation here we are now but uh, your thoughts on uh Bridgewater and I I said it this morning I want to give him credit also again for going out there and toughen it because he was obviously injured and uh, probably Hopped up on what is it, Toradol or whatever the heck they give those guys, but um, rough game, uh, as far as his uh, physical ability. That interception, though, man, it's I can't get that out of my mouth. That interception he made, I, I think it was I said it earlier today it was second down, I think it was actually third down, but you took points off the board. This is not a team that can take points off the board, you're not good enough.
2: It, it was, it was third and nine, and yeah, it's just I think this is one thing that I do think that uh, Vic Fanju actually said pretty well during his press conference today. And it basically alludes to that he just missed the safety. They thought he had he had it so he didn't have to like try to really drop it in the bucket, can kind of straight line it there a little bit, lead to a little bit of an under throw with the um corner, with the corner playing. I think it was John Brown was the receiver playing the backside hit. Yep, it was Brown. And the safety came up and then just dropped back immediately and as soon as the ball was thrown, basically. And I just think that it was a little bit of bad luck, a bad decision, and really. Looking back on that plate, there really wasn't anywhere else for him to go. So it was just a thing of all or nothing really at that point. But this is a situation, as you said, is they needed the points. Throw the ball away. Take the field goal at that point. Like, don't try to force it. That's one of the reasons why Drew Locke didn't win the starting job. He tries to force things so much. So Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he can't go out there and do those kinds of things, especially with his arm strength.
1: Yeah, there's many points in that game where I'm looking at the score and I'm like, my God, they took three points off the board to be a one possession game right now. And you have the ball back in your hands and anything can happen from there. Um, But you took three points off the board. And after that, you were down two possessions almost, I think for for the rest of the game until um, you scored that last touchdown to make it 17 to 10. Um, But uh, yeah, it was not uh, that play really left a bad taste in my mouth and higher learnings makes a good point about the safety, making a good play baiting Teddy. But like, that's the reason Teddy is playing, right? He's supposed to be avoiding those decisions and keeping it close and not taking points off the board. And he took off at least, or I wouldn't say at least he took off three points. Probably I'm assuming McManus makes that even though it was windy and not great conditions. And you just, you can't operate that way. And who knows how the game turns from there. And I don't think this game was lost because of Teddy Bridgewater, but you, I, that one, that's why we have you in there to not make that play. And he did. And, so that one bummed me out.
2: In in hindsight. That that interception meant little really when it comes to it. They score three points, they get back up there. It's 13-17. Well, the Browns they still just ran the ball down their throat. And the running back had a chance to go get into the end zone and collapse so they can just run out the clock. Yep. So really means little there. And they score the touchdown, they score the field goal. Doesn't matter because the defense couldn't get a stop when it mattered. But at the time it was a bad play on him. It was a misread, got baited, like just a lot of bad things happened there in a situation where you shouldn't be making that kind of play.
1: Yeah, and uh, shout out to Scott giving us a quote from Teddy about that interception um, in the chat here saying, I was just mad after the throw that I couldn't get it to him the way I wanted to. The guy just made a play, talking about the safety there. Uh, We had a good concept called the guy bit down and basically was able to backpedal and turn and run and make a play on the post. It was just one of those throws when you watch it, it it was like, man, like that is a throw. I know I can make, but just did not get it to where I wanted it to. So um, better throw, maybe a a guy with a little better arm talent gets it in there. Maybe seen a little bit earlier, Um, but you know, we brought in Teddy to not make that play and he made it in the red zone. You cannot, the offense is not good enough to take points off the board. So drives me nuts. Um, Peter Middleton coming in here saying, where do the Broncos spend their money in the off season? Uh, First off, uh, they can start contributing to Mile High Huddle. Start tuning in. Uh, giving us some super chats. Maybe they can win themselves a Patrick sedan jersey. Who knows? Um, uh, but uh, what do you think here for Peter's question?
2: Um, I have to think that they put a lot into the offensive line. Mm. George Payton saw the Vikings' offensive line struggle pretty consistently, and they always had these great talents to somewhat overcome it. I think they spend there. I think he'll go buy himself at like about fifteen corners because he loves his corners. Hmm. And then I think they also look a little bit at the linebacker position as well. And possibly by bringing back one of Alexander Johnson or Josie Jewell, a lot is going to depend here on whoever ends up the coach of the Broncos as well. You took my point.
1: I was going to say, let's wait and see. Uh, First, first thing is um, paying Sutton slash Patrick. That's probably number one uh, that you're trying to decide here. Uh, I think Sutton has shown enough. I know that he had that really bad looking play where he jogged off the field in that Raiders game after that interception. I mean, that one, Rough, not a good look, especially from a captain. Um, but I get it. I mean, he's playing for a contract, and that's how he had that serious knee injury last year. But oh man, I, that one, rough. But Sutton, I mean, he's a more dynamic player than Patrick. It's pretty easy to see on the field. And if you don't want to let guys like that go, like you are at a talent deficiency. You're not letting – you should not be letting good young players go like that. Uh, so probably Sutton. After that, it depends on coach because you're going to be running some new schemes next year. And those free agents, even much more than draft picks, are going to jumpstart you being able to run the scheme that you want to run. Uh, so where are they going to spend? It totally depends on what they're go- looking to do with the new coach, in my opinion, especially with as much money as they have. Yep. Um, all right. Well, do we have some more coming in here? Um, we got uh, going to have some Graham Glasgow money available, says uh, Scott in the background. <laughs> and uh, that's that's true. I thought I feel bad for Glasgow because I feel like he's been okay, but um, he's not worth what he's paid, right? Like yeah. he's getting paid huge money. And people who say, uh, you know, Drew Locke and the Broncos did not do anything to help Drew Locke. Maybe you can argue that Shermer wasn't the best fit, but uh, going out making Melvin Gordon a top five paid back terms APY. Graham Glasgow, top 10 played guard. Uh, You still have, you were banking on Juwan James. Yeah, five, top five guard. There you go, man. That's crazy for Glasgow at that time. Um, And then um, going out and using your first two picks on KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. Like to me, that was, that was going all in on drew lock and uh, maybe you blame the coaches definitely deserve, but uh, you'd hope that you see more given the investment there, but is what it is. So guys, I think we got to get on out of here. Eric, you want anything well, you want to uh, leave the people with? Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. With, let's
2: do it with Graham. Glasgow is he's one with the issues on the offensive line. I would try to get him to accept the pay cut. I don't think he would. He really has no reason to, Just because he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been worth what he's getting paid. And there's so many issues on this offensive line, and he's been not the best, but he's been solid. And I would consider looking at moving him to center where I think that a lot of his issues will be covered up, but uh, so we'll see what happens, but uh, he's definitely not worth what he's getting paid.
1: And uh, guys, we have some breaking news on the pod, so I guess we're going to keep going here live. Um, I don't know if Scott can pull it up on Twitter, um, but Woody Page just reported that according to Mike Kliss, so Mike Kliss also, I guess Mike Kliss just reported, uh, Fangio and Shermer are considering resigning tomorrow. So, um, all right. uh, I guess the show must go on uh, for for now, um, unless everybody's got to get out of here. But um, I guess this is going to be honest reactions. um, Your thoughts? Uh, Apparently... Both coaches are thinking about resigning. Oh, and then you also have Troy Rank saying, talk to NFL source who said absolutely positively nothing true about tweet tonight saying Fangio and Shermer are considering resigning Saturday. Both are under intense scrutiny. Who knows what the future holds, but nothing is anticipated by Saturday. So, conflicting reports out there in Broncos country. Do you think these guys would resign? I mean, God, what talk about incompetence. Like, what would even force that to happen?
2: I mean, just the pressure. I mean, from the fans and the and from up top and everything and even in the locker room i mean there's issues in this locker room um stuff that can't fully say right now but there's 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 issues going on and there's is- been issues going on since the off season. i've been trying to find mike Kliz's comment on this i haven't been able to see it um but woody page not to harp on him or anything like that he does have his moments of trolling a little bit so we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens is here.
1: Yeah, no, I can't say anything from close. It was from Woody page that said, according to Mike Cliss source, Fangio and Schirmer considering resigning. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I love Woody dating back to around the horn days. And uh, we have a quick comment coming in another. See if we just keep going, things happen. Uh, Paul coming in saying, I call Fant Jane. That's not very nice, Paul. Come on. I know you're a nice guy what's going on now. That's it's nice. Keep, keep it coming. Call them whatever you want for the $20 super. Uh, but uh, we're hoping um, we can turn it around and uh, man, maybe big news there with uh Cliss. I see a lot of Broncos reporters are uh, pushing against it right now. So uh, I don't think it is happening. Um, actually, I don't think and I don't
2: do you think this will happen? No. And Mike Cliz even came on and said, I'm not sure whose source is, but I'm not saying this or reporting this. It's wrong. Um oh, Woody, Troy so rank like there's a, there's a lot of people that are really going out and sending this and watching his pr- his press conference today. It didn't seem like Vic Fangio was a guy who was on the verge of resigning. Like no, in right? all honesty,
1: why would he even take the press conference today if he knew he was going to yeah. resign Saturday? Um, so I'm not I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't think it was close. I think it was Woody Page out there just uh, creating a little controversy. I mean, Woody Page said the Broncos were going to trade up for Trey Lance and broke my heart, too. So whatever. Uh, But uh, love you guys. I think we should probably get on out of here. Eric, do you have any words of wisdom for everybody before we get on out?
2: Uh, Take take a step back. Breathe. Broncos aren't everything in the world. Uh, Enjoy time with family. um, And uh, yeah, enjoy time with friends. Just Things are rough in the football world. Just take a step back, take a breather. Be like Nick, go out to the crappy, freaking nature stuff, and or be like me, just bury yourself in anime or the draft. Like, just, just do something and uh, and take, just kind of take a step back. And uh, I do want to say thank you for everybody for your guys' support. Um, for uh, last week, uh, my mom was right before we went live last week my I got text that my mom was going in for surgery she came out just after we got off uh everything was good and turns out that it wasn't even cancer so she doesn't have to do chemotherapy or anything like oh, that so it good. was just a regular benign tumor so everything's all good there she got back last saturday and has been resting at home since so uh i want to thank you guys all for your support and that's another reason why he's like football's football but uh, there's other things that are bigger than that
1: yeah you're definitely right and uh glad to hear about your mom and hope everyone's doing well. Um, you know, it's a tough time for Broncos country. I know that we've been in here for a while, but, uh, definitely want to harp on choosing kindness when you possibly can, you know, it's easy to say, and it's tough sometimes from where we sit and being very emotional in the moment when things are happening, but, uh, you know, just choosing kindness to each other and, uh, hopefully leaving you guys on a good note there and some positive vibes. Did you have something you want to say there?
2: Yeah, and on on Twitter, guys, like, don't be those type of people that go and voice your frustrations at the players, man. They know it. They feel it. They hear it. They see it. Like, man, you you tweeting at them saying they suck or whatever, it's not helping anything, man. Just just don't do that.
1: It's just making you look like an ass. If you're going to do it, (laughs) then... uh, Make sure you go off of that. But yeah, no. Yeah, everybody have a good one. Uh, this is obviously Dub Valley Deep Divers. It comes, it comes at you live every Friday night at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, you guys can follow us, Eric and myself, on Twitter. Eric at Eric Trickle and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at DVDD underscore pod and at Mile High Huddle. <laughs> Facebook folks. Oops, go ahead. Is there Sorry. a comment? Yeah.
2: um Yeah, it was a fake Mike Cliz account that Woody Page got. Oh
1: <laughs> God, classic, man. These boomers out here on the social webs getting fooled all the time. Um, uh, <laughs> follow us on Facebook. Also speaking of boomers at, uh, facebook.com forward slash mile huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile huddle pod. And also make sure you're following us on YouTube at, uh, mile high huddle. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share also there. So, uh, you know, you guys, you're great. Um, we love you. Everyone have a great weekend. Any Eric, any again? We don't get a chance to do this very often. Any <laughs> words of wisdom for myself, for Scott, who's sitting down here, been helping us and uh, our community at large?
2: Um, uh, you know, I probably, if I really took a little bit of time, I could think of some snarky draft comment for you. God. But, uh, I guess the one thing is like, don't be baited with stinky breath. There uh, we go. McDowell, that, that'll, be snarky, that'll be my snarky. that will be my He had a really good game last night, which is part of the reason why of
1: my head. he's like, a good player. <laughs> Um, Thank you guys so much. Uh, We're going to see y'all next week. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow night for mile high insiders. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy your, go ahead.
2: Sorry. One more thing since we didn't talk on it. Uh, Make sure you guys go to Facebook and be. Dot com slash mile. High. heddle, become a supporter there. You guys will get access to all the shows, including the trickle zone, which is no longer on Saturdays um, because of my mom's health issues and everything. It's now on Mondays at, I want to say 1 PM mountain time. I want to I say, so make sure you guys are doing that. And those of you who are Facebook supporters, 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Mondays now.
1: All right, and uh, guys, don't be like Woody Page. Um, Double-check your sources. Everyone have a good night, and I'll uh, see you tomorrow. Uh, have a good weekend. Go Broncos.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.